Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. This is our weekly podcast that tells our stories of starting, running, refining our float centers, where we love to share our insights and tips along the way. As always, you can find us on all the social media at Art of the Float, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagrams, and you can leave a speak pipe on artofthefloat.com, clicking on that left, uh, excuse me, the gold bar on the left side of the screen. Also, show notes, links, pictures from every episode, and anything that we discuss is going to be on the episode page as well. Uh, I am Dylan. I'm one of your hosts here. I own the float shop with my wife, Sandra, in Portland, Oregon, and I'm joined with Lance of the Float Shack in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada, and tonight Amy is out, uh, so it'll just be the two of us today, and later we'll be joined by Dustin uh, of Float Space, who's going to going into a lot of the different types of branding, membership styles, and all the good stuff he's been doing with his business. And he's got uh, an exciting history with, with his float center I'm, I'm excited to dive into. Uh, a few other things here. Uh, one is if you're interested in supporting the show, you can always go to the products page on Art of the Float and uh, bookmark the Amazon link. That makes any purchase you make in the future uh, send a few couple pennies our way, and we appreciate it. Uh, we are also available for consulting. You just want to go to the consulting tab on artofthefloat.com and we can help you start, run, and refine your business. We've we've uh, collectively got a, quite a few years underneath us here and uh, we're just getting better and better at it. It's really exciting. And if you would like to um, have some insight on what others are using for their software, we're doing a software roundtable April 12th. And basically what that is, is everybody turns the, the camera on their laptop and we all get together in a big group and discuss the different softwares we're using. In particular on this one, uh, scheduling software is going to be a big one. So we're going to go through the, the big ones that people are using, have some uh, live demos, some pre-recorded demos, and you just really get to pull back the curtain a little bit here and see what's behind the scenes on this software. If anybody doesn't own a, flo uh, a float uh, center yet, this is pretty much a must for you. Uh, also, if you're interested in changing over, just seeing what everybody else is doing, uh, it's it's not a big ticket to get in, so uh, financially, I mean, so it's a pretty easy to choice to join us April 12th. Uh, artofthefloat.com forward slash roundtable is where you want to go to check that out and, and just uh, future dates for different roundtables that we'll be hosting throughout the year. Before we get started here, I do want to give a shout out to FloatAway. They've been around since 1999, so they've got some history with float tanks, starting out in the UK with their Tranquility float tank, the only float tank with a motorized door that's all inside the foot footprint of the float pod itself. Also the filtration system, all that stuff is within that uh, unit. So you don't have to plan for the filtration system off to the side here, there, or wherever. It's all within a fairly small uh, footprint. And since then they've expanded to other uh, float tanks as well, the float cabin, the float arounds, and they've been doing that since 2003. So those have a, a lot of history to them as well and reiterations and refinements as well. So you're, if you're interested... You're Floataway.com is where you want to check it out. What was that, Lance? You're saying that Floataway has been around since 1999? That means these float tanks survived Y2K. That is that is some great building right there. <laughs> That's right. They had to get emergency software out to all of their, yeah. their float tanks. That's right. <laughs> or else they were going to turn on humanity. Yeah. <laughs> scary time. Very scary time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you don't want to hear about the they they couldn't get to the float away tanks in Australia. That's that, oof, that was a scary time. <laughs> they did turn. Uh, Lance, you you've been gone for two weeks. What have you been up to? How are you doing? Welcome back, uh, by the way. Uh, yeah, it's, it's I've really good to have check, you back. Checked off the map for a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. um, took Just, two weeks away from the float shack. Uh, I've been okay. working on my house actually. So 
Um, I bought a house when I was 19 and now I'm a busy entrepreneur running a business and I don't have time to maintain a house. It mm-hmm. seems like I'm always coming home and fixing things and shoveling and doing yard work. So mm-hmm. I'm getting my gear in my house up to sell and get rid of and sort of wow. get into a condo, something that's a little more, you know, works better with the entrepreneurial lifestyle. So um, a lot of this stems to having a float tank in my basement. So putting a float tank in my basement, that salt decided to eat the laminate flooring, the paint, the tile out of the shower. And um, when that float tank was in there, we took it out and went straight to the float shack. And we've been running nonstop ever since. Right. So I sort of pushed these problems into the corner. And <laughs> almost four years later, I'm coming to patch them up. So lesson learned there. Well, I'm just glad they waited the, for you. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a friendly, friendly little salt. <laughs> right. Hey, so I, I want to talk a little bit more about your living situation and all of that, but I want to talk about the laminate flooring. Like, what kind of laminate was that? And I, the reason I asked is just because recently on uh, Float Collective, people were talking about laminate flooring for their float centers. And I was like, I've, I personally haven't done that, but it made me very, very, very nervous. So, what was your experience? Yeah. Yeah, well, I th- I believe what was in this basement is just your standard Home Depot residential style laminate. Uh-huh. Um, from what I know with laminate, I would advise against using it in your float center. Um, there may be some commercial applications that may be some really tight fitting laminate where you're not going to get much water or anything penetrating. But um, if you think of how laminate flooring clicks together, mm-hmm. um, every piece sort of snaps together. And that is that connection is a, a potential for a leak, basically. Yep. If you get water yep. on your floor and that gets underneath your laminate. Um, for those of you that don't know, float tank water is much like um, water when it turns to ice. So when you get this water yeah, underneath nice. your laminate flooring and it starts to dry up and the water evaporates, that salt sort of begins to crystallize and lift just like ice expands when it freezes. So um, just getting a little water under the laminate, when it dries up, it's going to lift your laminate up. Mm-hmm. And we can feel that now. You push down and you can actually hear like salt crystals underneath the laminate in some spots. And we were very due diligent when we had that float tank in my basement. We used towels and floor mats and all that stuff, but... That salt finds its way. It creeps around. So um, yeah, I would advise going something seamless in your room, like an epoxy or um, a linoleum or Tacron floorings, anything like that. You're going to have a, a more longevity out of it than something like a, a cheap laminate. And I think you're going to agree with me on this one. If you can do it right the first time rather than need to remodel or repair something, oh, my God, you're going to love your life so much more if that's the case. Yes. Uh, doing it right totally from the ground agree. up. <laughs> So, and, and this actually, I, sorry, I'm going to interrupt your, your story, Lance, of, of your house and everything for selling. But, um, that reminds me. So first of all, uh, like they're going to tell you most likely, you know, some water on the floor is fine. You know, as long as you clean it up or whatever, as long as it's not submerged in the water, it's going to be fine because that's what they're used to with the normal applications that people are, are using with this flooring. So first of all, I would just say, disregard that, like altogether, speak with the float community and people who have been open, I would say at least a year, but two years, I think is when you're really going to see degradation in your float centers um, for, for that, that real corrosion. Uh, but the reason I wanted to interrupt wasn't so much for that explanation as much as the idea that, um, so I've been doing consulting and it's been a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying it. But one thing that's been coming up, uh, Okay, actually, it's come up with every single woman I've worked with is mansplaining. 
so the idea that uh, a man has more information and you maybe can't comprehend it or they just know more than you and you should trust them. And it's really easy. And so you could make the argument, you know, it, it wasn't a man talking down to a woman. It was really just uh, they have more information or think that they know what they're talking about. If you want to run with that, that's fine. Although that's not the field that I have from it. But um, I've been requested to be in the room uh, to be in conversations with contractors and architects to negate that so that uh, basically an equal footing conversation can take place where simply when somebody says we need more soundproofing or that, you know, just what they're talking about isn't going to be enough, they actually listen. And I don't necessarily bring more information, although I think there is a certain certainly is more information and confidence in what I'm saying, but it, it's been very frustrating that, uh, you know, somebody will say, eh, you know, this, this flooring will work fine for you. I've been doing this for 20 years. I know what I'm doing. No, this is a different industry. It is different. And I'm not exactly sure where I'm going with this, but it's just something that's been building up for a couple of weeks here of the fact that I would at all need to be interjected into these conversations is, is very frustrating to me. And, uh, just, um, do your research, uh, know, know what you're talking about when you're dealing with these people and come to the float community to, to get the, the legit information and don't compromise just because some contractor is telling you they, they know what they're talking about. I, I don't think we can trust them just simply because they haven't dealt with this kind of application before. They know commercial, um, uh, settings, you know, they know, uh, standard, okay, somebody's wearing shoes walking into the building, that sort of thing, not what we're dealing with. So uh, try to arm yourself with information and be confident and, and put your foot down for what you need for your business. Whew, thanks. Just needed to get that off my chest, I guess. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, just I just want to quickly give a shout out to my business partner, Matthew, because he's, uh, he's been a boss and he's been holding everything down <laughs> for the... It's coming up. It's going to be three weeks that I'd be gone in total. So we modified our hours a bit, but it's basically just been him and Bruce sort of holding the shack down. Wow. So a big thank you to Matthew. And it's nice. wonderful having a business partner that's able to support you. Yeah. Uh, things like that. So back to your mm -hmm. house, you had roommates before. Were they not? Could you not have them do the maintenance and all that stuff so that you could? Well, what it what it felt like is, yeah, I did have some roommates, but then it felt like I'd, I'd come home. And having to deal with roommates that were a bit younger than me, quite a bit younger Ooh. than me, um, it's it's almost like I was running another business at home. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's no. like I come home. It's like, hey guys, come on, garbage goes out. <laughs> Why aren't you shuffling the walk? Like I shuffled the last three nights in a row, and oh. just things like that. And it's just I don't want that anymore. I want to solely take these things out of my life that take up a lot of my time that shouldn't and f put my focus where it should be. And I was trying to juggle, you know, 15 plates at once. And I'm trying to bring that down to like three plates. Just be more manageable. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. But yeah, no roommates, no, uh, no house, no shoveling. Just want the simple maintenance free living. So can <laughs> That's I, what I'm I, going for. I, I don't want to pry too much. I don't want to make you uncomfortable, I guess is what I want to no. say. But so I don't get uncomfortable. As... Come on. When have you ever made me uncomfortable <laughs> in this podcast? I don't know. I don't know. So, okay. So then how do you feel about selling your home that you could afford previously with your old job? You're making a lot more money and, and downsizing like that. Like, does that bring anything up for you? Do you feel like that um, mitigates your feeling of success or do you feel like your idea of success has changed? Well, it's, this has been a journey um, for me that has began um, when I decided I'm going to start a business. And with that, um, comes a lot of sacrifice 
And with sacrifice, you have to be able to let go and you have to be able to accept change and to evolve. And um, I used to live in a very physical world where my success was judged on the physical assets I have and how many of them and the more stuff I have, the I used to chase that. And now I've come to chase time. And um, a lot of these things I've owned, I had the quads, the, the campers, the toys, the boats, the trucks, the cars, all that stuff. But they all take up just owning that. Mm. You know, you got to do oil change. You got to change the tires. You got to do registrate. All these little things, they take up so much of my time. So yeah. letting go of these things, such as my house, my toys, these things, um, it was hard at first, but mm. I've, I've evolved for it to become easier. So um Letting go of my house, which is the biggest asset I bought in my entire life, um, was a very big thing. But now it's it's just what happens. Things come and go. Nothing in this world is is permanent. Everything comes and goes. And and for me, allowing to um, let it go and move on to something else is is more of a, a success for me. It feels like you know at this point in my life, that's successful. Being able to let something go and and uh, move on with things. Awesome. Thank you. Did I make you uncomfortable? You. <laughs> yeah, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm going to take the rest of the show off. <laughs> but yeah, going no, from like this, I was this. a, for those of you who don't know, I was a journeyman, heavy duty mechanic. I worked in oil field for, for nine years. I made, you know, quite, I did quite well for myself. And starting a business, there's a lot of that sacrifice for that financial guarantee was no longer there. And uh, big lifestyles changes comes with that. But um, it's worth it. It's fun owning a float center, running your own business, <laughs> and being being your own boss. I'll say. Good Lord. Yeah. Absolutely. But how's, uh, how's your week been? My week how's... has been nice. Uh, on a personal level, uh, there's not been a lot of sleep in my life. But on a on the more business uh, point of view, uh, we're really dialing in the membership, which I've been talking about probably like the entire existence of the podcast is launching this new membership. And uh, we, it's been so funny, especially with the with the girl here. Like we, we Sandra and I collaborate really well together. It's a lot of fun. She like works in the Photoshop or, or if, you know, we brainstorm well together. She does the, the technical stuff in Photoshop and I'm, I'm better at video editing and obviously some, some audio editing and, uh, you know, for, for our Facebook advertisements, you know, we're, we're doing Photoshop. We cannot get together and give the daughter, our daughter attention. You know, like we're both staring at screens. It doesn't feel good. She gets annoyed. She wants attention and it, it doesn't work. So, um, the awesome thing is that Sandra's mom has been coming in and babysitting. Um, and so we finally kind of wrapped our head around that. And then she went in for knee surgery. <laughs> so just as we're like, cool, we can, we, we have like, time to do business, like business meetings, like, like we used to do, uh, then it was, it was kind of taken away from us. And fortunately she healed like a champ. She was supposed to be down for weeks and weeks and weeks. And she came out of her knee surgery with a new knee pain-free, like literally pain-free, no medications or anything. I don't think any floats either. And, uh, so she's back to babysitting. So Sandra and I have been back to business meetings, which has been Awesome. And really, really just kind of fun for us because it is, it kind of rekindles some, some old stuff that, you know, like this has been something we've been doing for six years. And so just to, to have that again, it feels, feels really good. It's exciting. So anyway, by the time this episode airs, we'll have launched our teaser. 
uh, to kind of just tease the fact that uh, we have a new membership coming out. And uh, after that, uh, what is it, April 4th, I think it is, uh, we'll, we'll actually have the, the new membership launch. It's all in our software already and almost out there. Yeah, finally happening. Super cool. I've been doing uh, photography in the float tanks, which, oh my goodness, is very challenging <laughs> with, with the lids and everything and the awkward or the difficult lighting in the float rooms. Um, it's, it's extremely challenging. Um, I do own some lighting equipment so I can get some really whitewashed, really bright, clean looking stuff, which is what we're starting with. But what I really want to do is more warmer stuff that uh, aligns with the Float Shop brand more. I mean, branding is obviously something we've been talking about a lot lately. And, you know, the Float Shop brand is all about walking into a hug, warm, cozy, safe space, not nothing medical, nothing whitewashed. And so, um, how to, you know, just aperture settings, where to put the lights, what kind of color lights, all that stuff is what we're working in the float tanks. And it's been really fun working with people in the float tanks is ridiculous. It's very difficult. They can't hear you. You know, you, you start have to need to learn to sign language with them or, you know, a two taps means open your eyes so I can communicate to you. It's, it's pretty silly, but at the same time, it's been working out awesome. And I love photography anyway. So this has um, been a really fun new challenge and, Hopefully they just look professional enough to actually get out there. And I mean, look and here's a, here's an unofficial uh, announcement from our unofficial sponsor, lynda.com. If you're looking to improve your uh, photography skills, please go to lynda.com. Why do you, why just do you play? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Have you ever used that? No, I haven't. What is it? Oh, it's just a online website where you can do tons of different training courses for things like photography or um, different services like that. You can learn on your own time. But. Nice. <laughs> Sorry. There you go. <laughs> it's always fun learning. It's always fun learning photography. That's something that yeah. uh, Matthew and I have been um, constantly learning since we really started a business because uh, photography does make or break things. That's for sure. I agreed. And actually, I should also mention this all this the, the models that we're using all stemmed from um, I think it was October, November, maybe December. But we had talked about uh, on the Float Collective talking about have like public access or free op open domain. What do you call it? DRM free. I don't know. Basically photos that anybody can use. And so that's what we're doing. I think I want to keep maybe 30% of them proprietary to the float shop, but everything else we'll just put up there and let people use, which by the way has, uh, gosh, I don't want to digress too much. Maybe I'll save this for another podcast episode, but, uh, what styles of photography, you know, not everything is the float shop brand. So should we do more of the whitewash stuff? Uh, should we do the, uh, shoot, I forget what it's called, but like where it appears like they're nude, uh, in the like silhouettes and stuff like that, that we wouldn't generally use for the float shop anyway. Like that's kind of stuff of like, Oh, like how far reaching do we do our photography here and, and all that jazz. So that's just stuff we're playing around with. And, uh, yeah, again, enjoying the photography. So that's, what's going on at the float shop. Anything else with you before we move on here? Bring on our guest. No, All that's right. it. I get this done. I got to go paint some walls. After, so. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Before we continue, I want to give a shout out to Float Helm. Uh, we've talked a lot about all the, the versatility of Float Helm, but something we haven't talked about um, are all the metrics that it keeps. So obviously, for, for the float tanks, we've 
covered that before. But what I also mean is that you can look at uh, client information and track those type of metrics as well uh, behind the scenes. And that is absolutely invaluable, especially as this industry is kind of kind of growing up and looking more and more at what these numbers mean for our businesses. Uh, that's definitely something that, that you want to have access to. And something that Flowhelm does is it makes it easy. Uh, it's not <laughs> incredibly difficult and cumbersome to navigate through all this stuff. It's it's uh, right there for you to see and click on and, yeah, just very accessible. So floathelm.com is where you want to go to check it out. Well, uh, I'm excited to bring on Dustin here from the Float Space. Dustin, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. Yeah, it's good to be on. Excellent. Uh, first of all, I just, I've just i been staring at the logo behind you this whole time. That is a beautiful logo. Where did that come from? How did you, was that professionally done or? Uh, well, I designed the center part of it and then I got okay. uh, 99 designs uh, uh, graphic designer to pump out all the different formats and clean it up. Nice. I love the yin yang, the water, and and just extremely stylized. That that the part that you made is beautiful. I love it. Thanks. Uh, did you have that from the get go, or is that an evolution while you've been open? That was the third remodel <laughs> of the swirl. Ah, perfect. <laughs> that's kind of what I assumed because that that's something I'm excited to talk about with you today. Is that you have not been coy about playing around with new styles. Uh, or excuse me, like reinventing yourself you're reinventing your float center and how long have you been open almost three years come may three years so we're float shop is launching its <laughs> second float membership how many float memberships have you been through six. Oh my <laughs> god that is not a number i anticipated all right good great well if we haven't piqued your interest yet listeners <laughs> then uh, I don't think we're going to because that that is fascinating. Okay, first I wanna I wanna go back a little bit. Um, first, just I'd love to hear about what inspired you to want to open a float center. And uh, I believe you're going to school at the same time. Like, how how'd you pull it off? And any anything that you learned along the way? I know, big questions. <laughs> okay, okay. All so, in about three um, and a half minutes, please. <clears throat> you know, in my third year of of a BSc, I was a professional partier. I was getting pretty good at it. Nice. And I want to get paid for that. Very stressed, una unable <laughs> to continue with that sort of a, a method for life and study. Mm -hmm. um, so I actually I found hot yoga, which mm -hmm. led to floating as kind of a natural evolution of the savasana part of the practice, which was always my favorite, anyways. Mm -hmm. And then I, I tried floating in Ron Tucano's float. Uh, tank in his backyard in Surrey in 2012. Okay. And uh, it was called the Exclusive Float Center. <laughs> and, uh, How inviting. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. It was, it was, it was beautiful, though. Um, cool. It blew me away. And, I mean, not everybody has the same opinions around psychedelic use in the float tank, but my first float was with three and a half grams of psilocybin. And um, cool. I came out of that tank and it literally felt like I'd been rewired. Mm. Um, and I just, the, the thing that stuck out to me was that I was very much responsible for my experience in life. Um, mm. And one, one float was enough to kind of show me that and, and encourage me to take responsibility for that. So nice. I, I started getting more and more into floating. Um, I traveled down to Portland 
I, I don't know if you guys were open yet, but I, I, I volunteered for four hours at Float On. <laughs> nice. And yeah. scrubbed their ridiculous floors at the time, which were <laughs> like cobblestone or something. Right. right. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, yeah, so that, that was it. I was off, off to the races. So It didn't intimidate you going into their float center and seeing all the work that goes on? <laughs> <laughs> You know, when you're so stoked about something, yeah. uh, you don't really care. Totally. You know, intimidation <laughs> wasn't really a factor. You're just like, yeah, bring <laughs> it on. Totally. That's it's awesome. excitement, right? So, Excellent. And that, I, met, I met Lance like that year. I think I met you that year as well. Yeah, at the float conference. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah, I believe Dustin, Trika, Matthew, myself all met uh, like, the float conference before we started our centers. And I think there's like three months there. We just went bang, bang, bang. And then we all uh, opened up and within a few months. It was pretty cool. You're kidding me. Damn. Yeah. Nice, guys. <laughs> Sweet. So, and I'm, uh, I'm from Alberta, so it was cool to meet meet you guys and, and see how into it you were. How funny. Well, gosh, God, God bless the float conference because, my goodness, <laughs> coming all the way down into, into Oregon to meet each other, that's so funny. Uh, so you are going to school at this time, right? While opening a business, can you help me wrap my head around that? <laughs> sure, sure. So the the big thing that I was looking at was uh, I'm a major in evolutionary biology, cool. and awesome. I, I I I'm in that because I love it. Um, I'm curious about it, but not because I thought I would have job prospects coming oh, out of out of university. And okay. I was looking at a lot of my peers, and I mean I'm coming into my third year of school and know a lot of upper level students who even coming out of grad school cannot find work. Mm -hmm. um, maybe a couple of the top, top tiers, but um, we're talking about like the 5% at the very top of the class that can get research gigs. And like I said, I was good at partying at that time, <laughs> right? So I'm not... <laughs> I wasn't part of that upper 5%. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I just decided, you know, why wait to get into something that I love? And in business, timing is everything. And, and floating mm -hmm. wasn't commercialized fully yet in Kelowna. So uh -huh. I just said, you know what? I'll, I'll put a flag down immediately. Right. And I had high hopes for floating and its impact on, on my life and my studying. Um, and it's a decision that I don't regret because my ability to navigate academics with an isolation tank was uh, dramatically mm. improved. Nice. Which I can see, I can imagine that if it was in your basement, but you're actually working there too, right? I mean, you had to build out a float center. How many float tanks do you have? Uh, we have four now. Damn. Uh, and how many did you start out with? Three. Yeah, I put one okay. in my apartment so that I could float while building the float center, which is, I think, <laughs> nice. the best decision that I ever made. Smart. Very savvy. Um, <laughs> but then we, we moved it over pretty quick. And, and uh, Wow. So did you have business partners? Was there a team involved with this, or are you doing this solo? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I had a business partner for the first six months, hmm. and then uh, we quickly learned that we don't work very well together. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he went his way. I, I continued on. Uh, as as can happen. And so you started this build out while going to school or is this during summer break or how does that work? Yeah, no, I I was building a float center while taking full, a full course load. Dang. And uh, well, to be completely honest, 
that wasn't a great decision <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't exactly what? thrive in every single possible way. Uh -huh. um, and that's why I'm still a student today. <laughs> <laughs> but I did see, I don't know, six months, a year ago, I, I saw you won an award. Uh, it was yeah. across, can you tell me about that? Sure, sure. So one of the, the added benefits of still being a student was that I could compete in student entrepreneur competitions. Oh. And uh, so I competed in what's called the Enactus National Student Entrepreneur Contest. And okay. I won uh, the nationals. Damn. Um, so that was pretty exciting. Went and did a few different pitch contest rounds, regionals, and then nationals in Toronto. And we had a panel of, you know, 60 judges or something like that and a room full of a few hundred people and pitched wow. live wow. and then won 10,000 cash. So oh, no that, way. Wow. that wow. really helped the business at that time. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. So it wasn't for somebody who owned a float center or a hypothetical, or excuse me, a business or a hypothetical business. It was about making a pitch for an investor, basically. No, no. Okay. The Enactus has a few different components. So there are teams that compete in entrepreneurial challenges, for example, like a sustainability challenge. And I was part of a different SKU where it's students that currently run businesses. Oh, okay. And they're just competing on the merits of those businesses. Okay. Um, and so there's a rubric, of course, and if, if you get the top marks in, in the rubric, you end up being the winner, I guess. So. Nice. Wow. Uh, fascinating. That's very, very interesting. Congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah, National. thank you. I appreciate <laughs> nice. it. Uh, okay. I don't even know where to begin here. you got to help me, Dustin. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't even know. Do you remember? Uh, should we start with membership styles? Like where? Sure, sure. Yeah, I've, I've been all <laughs> over the map. Um, and it, it really comes down to a belief that I hold. I mean, I believe that float center operators have somewhat of a responsibility to figure out this thing, which is how to offer float tanks to the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, for that reason, um, I've just been playing around with a possible solution to that, trying to find a, some sort of a goodness of fit scenario for our community. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I've learned is that when you change things so much, um, you don't necessarily get to see the long-term impact of a lot of your choices, right? Um, but having tried so many different things, I, mm -hmm. I've got a good basis of um, identification for that problem as it exists. Mm. Not that it's like a problem that keeps me up at night, but it's, it's a scenario that you're trying yeah. to... That's what entrepreneurs do, right? We construct a solution to a particular scenario. Okay. So... Um, you know, I, I've done six different memberships. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe rather than going through each one and it, well, actually maybe I would love to introduce the one that I'm most aware of, which, sure. uh, and, and maybe I'm, I'm not remembering it correctly. So you can definitely feel welcome to correct me on this, but basically the, um, you start out paying a certain amount per float. And then once you achieve, you break through a tier of number of floats, the price drops. And the more that you float, the more tiers you break through and the price continues to drop. So basically it, it simply encourages you to float more often and you pay less as you show loyalty and affinity for floating. 
Is that absolutely that okay. in a nutshell? That's exactly what it is, and it's based on the premise of almost gamifying the flow mm -hmm. practice. Mm -hmm. um, people have incentives; they're working towards goals, and as a result, the yeah, the people that float more are rewarded as loyal customers. Um, you know, the big downside, which I, I hear you guys talk about a lot in terms of business operations, is how certain choices that you make impact the way staff operate. And when you have a tiered system that's too complicated, not, not only is it too complicated for customers, but my own staff members didn't know what was going on. And that's so funny. they'd have customers coming in asking them, and they'd go, you know, on a regular basis, I have no idea what to tell you. Right. So they would just pick, they would just choose, right? And so there was so much inconsistency that it caused me a lot of stress. And I'm like, you know what? Right. Peers have got to go. That's interesting. So, so that doesn't necessarily mean it was a bad concept. Like engineer Brian, uh, he's he's not on on tonight, but he tells me about he's playing Zelda, right? This new Zelda game, and you've got hot swords, you've got winter arrows, you've got all this stuff. I just I think it's very exciting and cool, but I can't understand what the heck he's talking about. There's just too there's too many things going on. I'm sure it's a beautiful game, but I, I have no idea what he's talking about. You tell me about Pong. I understand the concept. Is it a great game? <laughs> Maybe not, but I know how it's played, right? Well, you got two paddles. The dilemma is real, man. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, we had customers that honestly were saying to me, and I was giving a free first float if they were willing uh, to come into this tiered membership path. Oh, interesting. And I had people saying, uh, I'll just pay. Whoa. Because I don't really want to go. And I was like, you can cancel any time. There's no commitment. And they're going, I still, something seems wrong. I don't want to do this. And wow. they would just pay full price, which I didn't That's have a problem with. But right, right, it didn't right. encourage the building of a practice by any means. Yeah, Interesting. It's, the, it's that retention, making sure they're coming back again. I know we've had that that same thing um, over the years when our pricing, when we did 60 and 90 minute floats and we had, you know, memberships for those, um, people would look at it and, you know, become overwhelmed and you just see them give us their money because <laughs> they couldn't process it all. They just, you know, so um, simplifying things definitely is something we've been working on since day one. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's what the Flowchop new membership is. It's one membership, you know, super simple. But at the same time, I think gamifying is absolutely yeah. in the future of, I mean, any industry, right? We all love getting to the next level. We all love putting a check mark, you know, through next to something or a, a strike through to say I've completed something. And so gamifying is in our future. It's in yoga. It's in everything. Even these things we don't think are commercial are very Zen. It's, it's, built into all these different things. I mean, even martial arts, you know, if I believe out in Japan, you've got a white belt and it, it just gets dirty. <laughs> it becomes a black belt. And uh, in the US, they made this tier system because we've got shorter attention spans and it works out fantastically for us. And it doesn't mean we're not learning, not learning and the same stuff. I think uh, I really respect what Dustin has to say about um, as float center owners, it's our responsibility to, you know, make this work. And there's no set in stone right. way of this is how you do it. This, yeah. this is a membership. This is the only way you can do it. We yeah. are, we are explorers of yes. the, uh, flotation world. And, yeah. um, I think we all have the same goal in mind. We want all of our clients to be floating regularly and we want it to be at a price point where it's comfortable for them. It's not a burden. Um, how you get there, 
Well, the options are endless. You know, there's so many different ways you can get there. But um, I really, I do respect Dustin for going, you know, off the beaten path and, uh, yeah. you know, create so let, his own path through the forest. And it's... Yeah. <laughs> so let, let's hear more about that. So that that's one example of... of uh, yeah. Have you lost well, that, the concept uh, of gamifying? Is that something you're still aiming for? Um, um, just... You know, not as much um, because games have rules and rules complicate. So, mm. you know, I've, I've lost that sort of approach, mm -hmm. but uh, the tiered system did lead to a different realization. And, and, you know, I put this on the Float Collective page at one point, just trying to feel it out. And uh, I, I maybe was a bit too cut and dry with my wording, but actually received quite a lot of backlash around <laughs> establishing responsibility on oh, right. the oh. part of the floater for their practice by uh -huh. creating a set of float etiquette guidelines, as well as certain sets of things that the floater needs to think about that we're no longer going to take care of. Can you, and can you walk us through that? Yeah, yeah. So, for example, we ask everyone to bring their own towels now. Um, we do not provide earplugs for free. We don't provide makeup wipes. We don't provide sanitized combs. Um, we do provide neck pillows and ear rinse, which, um, you know, we're fine to do. And we also don't really go for on the phone bookings. We, <laughs> when people phone, we say, you know, go online and, and mm -hmm. use the software that we're paying for. Um, no, I don't say it like that, of course. <laughs> but, uh, but that's why it's there. It's a tool that should be working for us. And I want, I want it to do that. So um, we've been running things that way for about six months. And I'm very happy that we kind of took that took that step to do mm -hmm. so because we have a lot of positive feedback and I've been able to drop my prices to a, to a point where people are floating more regularly than they ever have. And the work, excuse me, the workload on our staff, specifically mm -hmm. laundry, um, <laughs> is so dramatically reduced um, that everybody is much happier in the space and the space looks better than it ever has because we're spending less time folding and more time doing some of the other work. Yeah. So uh, do you have your own laundry system at, at your float center? Wash yeah. and dryer? Cool. Yeah, so, we do. We have, we have... But it's simply for um, cleaning at this point. Well, we do rent towels for $2. So oh, okay. we'll provide it if somebody forgets, right? We're not going to leave somebody without in, in that circumstance. But they sure. do pay the extra $2. Mm -hmm. which is very common at, at most spas. There's a towel rental fee, right? That's extremely common. It's not extremely common in the float center. So what made you want to break out of that? And what do you think the advantage is to the customer by doing that? Well, the big thing is changing the way that the customer relates to floating. And I mean, Lance talks about it a lot. Um, he's even got a meme out about it, which is the float is a practice, right? Mm -hmm. And when, when the floater does that, they get a lot more out of each visit. Mm -hmm. And I grew more and more uncomfortable with offering flotation as a spa service because mm -hmm. that's not how I relate to it personally. Interesting. I had to ask myself, you know, if I didn't own a float center, would I go to a spa once a week? 
Right. And I'm like, there's no way. And could I afford to go to a spa once a week? Right. No, abs- absolutely not. So how do I share the service with people like myself? Um, and it was to detach myself from the, the identity of a spa. And so I started saying to myself, I want to be the worst spa. And what would the worst spa do? Right. And I, I started trying That's to funny. figure out all the things that um, a terrible spa would, would do and, and start to own them. And mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> it's really I like interesting. it a lot. My favorite part is that I'm looking at your logo right now and the space only says, it says float spa right behind you. <laughs> it says float space. <laughs> but, uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> so you, it is a float space. Okay. That's uh, something that you say, Dustin, sort of breaking out of the normal sort of spa thing, but it's also breaking out of the norm of a float center because although mm-hmm. we are, you know, quite a young industry, um, there's a lot of people doing the same workshops or the same sort of training or the same... Um, that you see a lot of the float centers are the same, the same pricing, the same structure, right. the same, we provide everything. Um, yeah, and we're, that we're getting, doesn't necessarily define how a float center has to be. Or should if be. you want, you know, something like what Dustin's doing where we're saying, okay, maybe everyone else does this. Floating isn't all about that. You can bring your own towel, bring your own earplugs, bring your comfy house coat, bring all your stuff because this is the way we're going to try it. We're going to see how it works. And that's... That's cool. Like going back earlier, we are we are explorers. We're the Christopher's Columbus of this industry, and uh, we need to explore it and see what works. Yeah, so. and like so, we're getting really accustomed to particular practices, and we call them mm-hmm. be- best practices. You know, like even mm-hmm. like say ninety minute floats, we call that a best practice. But there's no there's no research mm-hmm. to say that ninety minutes actually is technically the best, and so we're still we're still figuring all that stuff right. out, including we changed that program. recently as well. Actually, um, oh we really. Have- yeah, we have a 60-minute standard. Oh, and interesting. what we have found is, especially for people dealing with um, anxiety who need mm-hmm. to float more frequently, is that 60 minutes is more than enough. Okay. And it's okay. easier for people to fit in their day. So right. as opposed right. to trying to force a particular practice on my community, I started to listen to the community more and just say, oh, like, you'd be fine with an hour. You know, I'm not going to tell you otherwise because I've <laughs> floated more times than you. I'll just start offering an hour. And what we do is you can extend um, the session from 61 minutes up to 150, so up to two and a half hours, for only $15 more. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really accessible for people to have a lot of range in the duration of their practice as well. And then a perk we do for memberships is uh, we offer that extended session uh, free of charge. So do you have uh, filters running during other people's floats or does, is yes. it 90 minutes blocked off? Can you, so that is something I have, uh, I have not found that I can accomplish in my float center. How do you, uh, and, or do you, maybe I should start with stop vibrations. I know we're bouncing know around right. here, but how do you quit, stop the vibrations from making it to other floats? Uh, well, we, um, I guess we have a couple different reasons why that works. Um, we have pump rooms that are isolated for every float tank. Um, hmm. So they're individual you know, filtration rooms that are soundproof. And then we isolate them on rubber and packs and springs and foam <laughs> and different things. <laughs> <laughs> Everything we got, we just throw, yeah. at, yeah. throw at them. Okay. I, I just want to ask about the 60-minute thing because Go ahead. Um, when we were running strictly 60-minute floats um, to begin with, 
we, well, we weren't running strictly. We ran 60 or 90 minute floats, but we often found that people would pick the 60 minute float to get going. Mm. But we found they're taking, some of them are taking a half an hour, 40 minutes to like relax or get comfortable that they're just getting a taste of that, you know, the true, I shouldn't say the true float experience, but they're just getting a taste of what it's about. Um, When we switched to that 90, it's like they were able to sort of, you know, understand it a little more. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed anything like that from switching from 90 to 60, Dustin? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think you could find that trend somewhere in there. Um, and it's true for some people and, and not true for others. And maybe it's more true for, for Red Deer than it is for Kelowna. You know, I'm not really 100% sure. Um, but people that do have that experience can float for longer than 60 minutes no problem and then with now how we're doing it they can explore even longer durations so those people have no problem just now doing longer floats right Mm -hmm. yeah cool uh do you mind sharing your pricing changes before uh before you launch the new style of like towel rentals and just reducing overall so i i was doing 65 dollars for a 90 minute float uh, okay. which was pretty industry standard. And then I had the tiered membership, so there's X number of different prices there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now I do 60-minute floats for 40. Okay. Memberships are 30. Wow. And that's wow. one float per month. Um, additional floats at the same price. Student memberships are 25 under the same system. Wow. And upgrades for extended floats are an extra $15 for non-members and it's free for members. Cool. Nice. And, and so that, I guess that segues into the other thing I wanted to ask, which is you do have a membership there. It's not like it's just reduced price and everything is as is there is at least a tier. Yeah, there's, well, there's, uh, one, yeah, one membership. It's $30 as opposed to 40, Mm -hmm. um, with the extra perk of, not extra money for the extended floats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have Fantastic. couples floating too, right? So we don't we don't discount for couples floats ever. It's an extra twenty dollars on top of whatever price you would normally pay as a solo floater. So the float shop, I think our minimum price is thirty five dollars. Like not 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 for um, like what we advertise or anything. But like we can't charge less than thirty five dollars for break even costs. Um, right, and so. Uh, do you have minimal staffing? Are you working there during a lot of the hours? Like the, the just the numbers that you're giving me are extremely low. Like a float shop couldn't support th- those financials. Right, right. So, well, I'm not going to say it's not a challenge. Um, <laughs> okay. it, it definitely is. And um, I work here a lot. Uh, I really do. And the thing that I'm kind of banking on is is time. I, I hope that within the next year, we'll have enough people floating regularly without having to advertise all the time that it reaches a uh-huh. new stable point. Uh-huh. And that's, I'm operating totally on faith that that point is in the near future and that we're just kind of grunting it out until then. Right, right. Um, we have engineered things in here to work with one staff only at all times. Oh, interesting. And we're paying minimum wage. So, okay. you okay. know, that's kind of how we just make it as a float community. And yeah. on yeah. our deep cleans on Monday, 
we're lucky enough to have people from our community come in and help us clean in exchange nice. for a float. So that's, that's awesome. how we, we get Beautiful. away with that. <laughs> right. Uh, Lance, do you have anything... Um, do you have any insight to the idea of building up or having faith in, in, in your uh, retention increasing um, within the first couple of years there? Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I think it goes to where you put your focus. Um, I think we're with Dustin in the same way where we're really hoping to create that community that floats regularly and consistently. And, you know, that's where our focus is. You've heard me talk the last few podcasts where we want enough members to basically pay all of our overhead. Mm -hmm. Everything it costs right. to run a float center, if we can have done by members, the rest of the income that comes in, um, the people that are just coming to try it out or see if it's for them, um, right. that's bonus money. So um, we're working we're working our way through it. We've had our membership for about a month and a half now, our newest one, um, which is our second membership we've had. And... Um, yeah, we've already got one of our employees' wages paid by memberships, and we're just working mm. up to paying each of our, our wages and then working down the bills. So, um, you know, it is it is a goal that everyone has, but you put enough focus to it, and it will happen. Um, your first few years of starting a business, you're trying to juggle it all. There's so many aspects. It's hard to maintain focused in one direction when you, <laughs> yes. when you don't really know what works yet. If I... You know, right out the bat, if I spent all the time focused on one thing, um, I may not know if all these other options work. So mm -hmm. um, it does take some years or some time to, to get your footing. But sounds like Dustin, he's he's found his footing. And now it's just the execution and let let time do its thing and, well, yeah, and Dustin, bring in these. Do, do you feel like you found your footing? Do you see another evolution happening here? Or does this feel like homeostasis? Um. We're sustainable right now to break even, um, but we're certainly not thriving. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> as, as you probably know, the rate of deterioration of a float center <laughs> um, sometimes exceeds the rate <laughs> of growth or maintenance, right? right? right. And so it, although it might seem like break even at the moment, right. three months from now, you know, something might fall apart and then all of a sudden you have some big expense you got to take care of so right. you know i i do think we're coming we're coming into uh you know float space 8.0 but <laughs> we're nice you know, they're we're called getting, space float now yeah exactly <laughs> space float. Uh, I've, I've thought about changing the whole name uh-oh uh -oh. <laughs> um, i'm fascinated by this this one phrase space botany Space, space botany? Bot yeah. Okay. So I wanted to maybe change to float garden oh, because wow. I'm just fast. You know, the, the climate of a float center is totally a rainforest. And <laughs> so we nice. just started loading this place with plants and clay and rocks. Huh. And it feels so good in here and so natural. Nice. People come in and they just exhale and they're like, ah, this feels good. And I've that. just added natural stuff. And uh, so that's the trend. Do you have any pictures or would you mind taking some photos that we can post uh, for our listeners? <laughs> sure. That'd yeah, be really sure. cool. I, I can do that. And if you have old ones, I'd love to see it before as well. And see oh, how, yeah. See the evolution. Nice. Um, a, <laughs> nice. a bear lobby with a couple of lawn chairs to uh, <laughs> a place with 40 plants. <laughs> awesome. 
Excellent. So, so you, I'm not sure. Did I get an answer on like the homeostasis as far as this membership style? Uh, I think the membership style is working. Yeah, okay. I, I okay. don't anticipate changing it at least in the next couple months. But <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Something I've been playing around with is the idea of removing memberships completely mm -hmm. um, and setting up a sort of punch card mm -hmm. system. I and saw that showing so, up in Float Collective recently. Okay, yeah. So like maybe five floats and you start with like it's 50 for the first, 40 for the second, or, you know, 45, 40, 35, free, oh, right? And, you, and people uh -huh. just end up collecting these cards mm -hmm. and say so you get five cards and then you get like another free float or something, right? Kind of reintroducing so, that gamification concept. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, well, so I guess I'll go back on what I said, getting rid of that, right? Right, right. Well, you haven't said you're doing it yet. So for now, you haven't, you haven't lied just yet. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe somebody else can try that one. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I want to ask also, so you've been through, did you say eight, eight different memberships or was it 10? I've lost. Okay. So I think you uh, said six, six. So six, six hundred oh, yeah, different memberships. Space 8.0, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's lots of different modifications, versions. But do you feel like you've <laughs> given each one enough time to truly know uh, its value, or is it a matter of your values have changed and you want to change it, uh, or do you just feel like instantaneously you you understand the reception to a particular model and you know that's not going to work uh, for your center? Well, I think it's a bit of both. I mean. I, I operate pretty scientifically, so I'm, I'm going kind of on data, but then also there's this intuitive component where if, if it just isn't feeling right with the values that I have today in this moment, you know, it's got to go. So <laughs> I'm not afraid to change it. Um, and I think that getting over that fear has been one of my uh, greatest decisions in business um, yeah. because clients definitely understand that we don't know everything and that we're just doing our best. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people are really supportive of the fact when I send a newsletter that says like, hey, so I thought this was going to work. I don't think it's working anymore, so I'm going to try this. And people are like, cool, I think that's great. And as long <laughs> as they're not paying exorbitantly more right, right, or it right. doesn't make any sense, they're kind of just like, yeah, well, I'll roll with that. So <laughs> Nice. Nice. So uh, you had mentioned in Float Collective offering up the idea of like towel fees and just basically just minimizing all, all of your costs and uh, having the customer either rent those things or just bring their own so they can save money lowering the price that way. And it, it basically got shat on in Float Collective. And I, my, my <laughs> assumption is because to me personally, I would, I would say that is a shitty idea for, excuse me, uh, that is a crappy idea for the float shop because that's not the brand of the float shop, right? But I don't necessarily, and so I think my assumption is that a lot of people are coming from that perspective of that doesn't work for my float center, my values for my float center, so they would poo-poo on it. But I think as a concept in general, there's nothing inherently wrong with that style at all, and I think it's very attractive. And I have a feeling a lot of people are gonna listen to that, to this episode and consider that as a, as a particular model that's functional. Lance, you're, yeah, you're I reacting think, I think when, Yeah, when <laughs> Dustin brought that up, it just seemed like people were resistant to change. They're like, uh -huh. no, that's not how it's done. That's not what the float industry is about. You uh -huh. can't be doing that because that wrecks it for everyone. No, there's no, there's no rules. That's, 
I don't know that that yeah. worked me up oh, when hey. that when that feed came up. I felt like, I almost felt like Dustin was being attacked by this mm. float community that's supposed to be open <laughs> and receptive, and mm. and they're totally just shitting on Dustin. I'm like, hey, the guy's <laughs> doing something different. Right. Like at one point, this all was different, you know? Right, right. <laughs> like so, uh, maybe in five years. Dustin May led the way and we're all following exactly. Dustin being like, that's, that's what it took to make, you know, my float center flourish is, you know, not doing laundry eight hours a day. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll maybe just segue with uh, a, a fear and a projection that I am thinking about a lot in terms of the float world. Um, I have a float tent from Zen. Nice. Um, I think it's fantastic. And I float at home, uh, and part of me thinks that <laughs> a float practice is even stronger if you can do it at home. It's definitely a mm. lot cheaper. Um, and I'm worried a, a little bit that as innovation improves and technology improves, that um, the home floating market might displace commercial float centers to some degree if people just can't justify spending, mm. you know, 80 bucks in some places for a 90 minute float. Mm -hmm. So I just started to try to see if I could find a middle ground. So even if somebody knew that they could float at home and I, I just lost, uh, I mean, one, one member, right? One member's fine you know, to lose, but he, he bought an escape pod and he put it in his nice. basement and he's super stoked about that. And he had no problem spending, you know, seven grand American on that. Mm -hmm. So my hope is that I can keep evolving the space to, to be in this position where people wouldn't even need to, to float at home and, and wouldn't even bother with it because it would just make way more sense to let us take care mm -hmm. of it and they would get a higher quality float anyways. Mm -hmm. Plus, it'll bring them to community. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I, I agree with what you're saying, Dustin. If you, you know, we have a float tank in our center that used to be in someone else's house, but it was, you know, he had no problem spending the $16,000 on it but it was the maintenance that he couldn't do. And he just wanted to float. He didn't want to scrub the tank every week. He didn't want to have to change the filters. <laughs> and that's where he's like, here's my float tank. I want to come float at your center. You take yeah, care of yeah. this. It's uh, too much for me. That is so um, cool. But, and that's, that's where we've sort of um, doing our, 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 aligning our vision and our projections for the future. Um, I do know people are going to be floating at home a little more. Um, that's why at the float shack, what we're trying to do is we're trying to create a place that is so much more than a float center. Just like you were mentioning, Dustin, a place for community, a place to disconnect, a place to connect, a place to, you know, it's just, it's so much more than just a float tank and a shower and a room. There's, there's a lot that comes with it. So, and we're, I, I have fun with it. We're calling our, our front lobby, our sensory spa. So I think that is so that cool. So cool. And, and that's what people are going to connect with. They're going to connect with, with each other. Like float, people that float are amazing people. When you put three of those people under one roof and they have conversation, magic happens. If you're constantly floating at home all the time, you don't have oh, that yeah. interaction. You know, you don't have that connection with other people that mm. are like-minded or, I don't know. Who, uh, but, who was that president who said uh, the most dangerous thing is young people sitting in a room 
smoking pot, reading books, and talking. <laughs> so, sounds, sounds like, like Ronald Reagan. Reagan. Was it Reagan? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's like the, the most dangerous <laughs> thing for, for Trump's America know. is, uh, you know, people hopping out of the float tank and having a conversation in the float shop lobby. <laughs> right, right. Well, how, so I, what, I, what I wanted to ask was how do you uh, encourage that community aspect at your float center? I'm working on it. I really am. Um, we're, we're planning some float meetups. And one of the other things we're doing is we're getting our float ambassadors to speak more on our behalf. And, and that's starting to work really well, as opposed to me saying, hey, I own this float center. Here are the benefits. Let me tell you about them. Mm-hmm. We're, we're trying to set up situations where we have experts in particular fields mm. that say, hey, I float at this place and here's why. And that seems to be a much more powerful message. And it is bringing people from their communities into the float world and into the float mm-hmm. culture. And so that's kind of our focus at the moment. Nice. And I think that's true with not just ambassadors, but all of our clients. Like we can sell our business one way. We can market it. We can educate. But when you have the words from Susie that floated twice and left a huge review and made a video with you and telling her how much her chronic pain has um, you know, gone away and things like that, that, that goes the distance, just like Dustin's saying, that's, um, that's something we're working on more is getting more of that client feedback, more of their, their reviews and sharing that with the rest of our community. Excellent. And yeah, that, that is something the float shop is going to be focusing more on as well. And in particular video, uh, there's, you know, you can have a text, a float shop text post from a customer, but then posting a video or like seeing them glow afterwards is very different than, than, than just a text or a picture of them, you know, trying to get their legs <laughs> their in the float tank and their phones getting all salty and all that stuff. I've seen too many of those, but yeah, some, some videos, good stuff. Dustin, is there anything else that you want to share with the float community about your float center, about float experience uh, while we're on here? Um. Yeah, yeah. It's something I've been thinking about a lot recently, which is the roots and, and the origins of, of the float industry. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I wasn't at the float conference last year, but I, I listened to, uh, who's the guy from um, the 11 Tank Float Center who hates uh, John Lilly or something? He doesn't hate John Lilly. Uh, I know exactly who you're talking about. Of course, I can't think of his name. Uh, but at the float yeah. conference, he he poo pooed. Just float. He uh, said, yeah. For, yeah. "Forget Lily, right?" Right, and and he was right. talking about brand marketing, float center. Of course, yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, <laughs> thing that I love about John Lilly's approach to floating is the most scientific and spiritual approach. And it, it's based in the reality of the experience, which is that every time we go into the tank, we are participating in an experiment. The tank is a certain set of methodological conditions in which we can observe the human experience. And reconnecting with that has allowed me to actually go deeper into my flow practice again, you know, four years after starting it. Because... Mm. For, for people that are in the float industry, um, maybe I'm a, alone in this regard, though I somewhat doubt it, is you're so focused on marketing and establishing yourself as a float expert mm-hmm. that you begin to think 
that you know what you're talking about. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, in a certain respect, you do. But in a certain respect, you lose your curiosity for the mystery that is in that experience. And reconnecting with that scientific approach to just observing has allowed me to take my float mentality and awareness out into my life a bit more from a more, I guess, appropriate perspective for me. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been very spiritual. It's been a very spiritual practice and it's rooted in scientific objectivity. So that's, you know, where I'm at with my practice right now. And so do you use that in your marketing as well? Do you use Lily in your marketing or speaking with clients? Uh, I don't use Lily, but uh, <laughs> I guess so just because so you hate John Lilly too. No, <laughs> the, the reason I, I don't is because it's just too much information. Mm. You know, as soon as you start telling people about other people, they're like, okay, like, you know, you got to show photos and like give them a backstory. And now oh, that's you're not even dolphin incident. answering yeah. their question. <laughs> so, right? so but I, I use his methodology, right? Which is, you know, I encourage people to go in there, uh, you know, as an, as a scientist, Go in there and see how your mm. experience responds to the conditions of the tank. Mm -hmm. And uh, that may lead you somewhere new. Um, nice. So that's, that is in our marketing, yeah. And that comes down to personal responsibility and the development of oh, a practice in general. Lovely. Very lovely. Nice. Uh, you know, I do want to backtrack a little bit and ask another question, if that's okay, before we sign off here. You had talked about uh, booking online. So even if somebody calls in, you have them schedule online. That is like an ice pick to my heart when I hear that. Like, I, 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 I can't stand that concept. That sounds like bad customer service to me. So okay, I know I'm totally okay. I'm being an ass by, like, putting you on no, your heels no, by saying no. something like that. Well, but you're that, not the first I, person to say that, including <laughs> some of our clients, right? So the, the, you... Go ahead, Lance. I was just, well, sorry. I was just going to say, I want to start off with your phone, um, how it is. Do you have the, the menu set up on your phone? Uh, like when you call and press one, no. press two, press three? Because oh, I've heard of other float centers doing this um, where they sort of step away from the telephone, hmm. but they set up a menu system on your phone. I think Trika runs this, where you call, you call the float center, and it says, thank you for calling One Love. To do, if you'd like to more, know more about floating, press one. If you would like to know our hours and pricing, press two. If you would like to speak to somebody, press three. Right. Um, that that has been something I've been interested in trying to sort of funnel people through the website, through this menu system versus people that call before doing any other research, <laughs> right. going to a website, going to Facebook, anything Absolutely. else. But, um, I didn't mean to sort of go off track there. I just, I, I thought you were using that type of phone no, system. No. But, we, sorry, uh, we were, that's probably why you thought mm. that. Um, okay. I'm a little bit technologically challenged. So, <laughs> <laughs> Setting that up in a way that worked completely fluid was a challenge. So I just kind of went back to a more simplistic phone system. Uh, but to answer your question, Dylan, um, the reason that I do that is because I can only explain. I have four different float tanks. And mm -hmm. one of them is an open environment. And people yep, have so many too. questions. And I can only yep, explain yep. so many clear images that yeah. will be accurate for every single person. And mm -hmm. then I have a bunch of different staff members as well. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we just say, you know, 
you're not going to know what float tank you want to book until you go onto the site and look at the differences mm -hmm. and compare them. Mm -hmm. And I also just despise this game of like, oh, what day works for you? And like, mm -hmm. let me check that day. Oh, that mm -hmm. doesn't work. Okay, let me try this day. Yeah. You know, they have their schedule in front of them. We have an online booking system they can book in advance. We use the float helm. So it just makes more sense for everybody. And I, I find it actually a more respectful use of everyone's time if they use the systems that are developed specifically to make things more right, efficient. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I love about that is that you're, basically what I am saying is this is how a relationship works. This is how I think a good relationship is and that's just universal. And what you're saying is I'm defining how our relationship works. And as long as we agree to these terms, we're going to have a great relationship. And I believe that this relationship makes things more functional, right? Like I'm doing this on for you and for me. Right. And so right. it's just establishing well, like any relationship that, that makes sense to a degree, but there's always okay, room okay. for, for practical wisdom, which is knowing when okay. and how to make the exception to any rule okay. that okay. you even yourself create. <laughs> so, you know, if somebody is totally uncomfortable with online booking, mm -hmm. by all means, I'll, I'll take the time and, and talk with them. I'm not going to hold resentment towards them. But for the vast majority of people in 2017, there's no issue mm. with going through the process. And some people are just lazy and like Lance said, maybe just call right away before doing anything. Right. Not because there's any flaw in their character or because I wouldn't get along with this person, but just because they just they just clicked the call now button, which is totally mm -hmm. fine. So, you know, there's so many different situations. Um, I do tend to funnel people towards our online booking, but if not, if not appropriate, we'll have a great telephone conversation. Right, right. <laughs> and, and if I can just also, uh, I think another advantage to that is, so I, Again, like I want, I want the person who clicked book now to call and they hear our excitement on the phone. We walk them through the float tanks, the bennies, all the good stuff. However, the risk to that is we've got a customer at the front desk as well. And the other person is cleaning a room or something like that, which anybody who actively runs a float center knows that that happens way more than we want it to. And that phones, <laughs> hate, hate to put it this way, but they're an issue as well. So, mm -hmm. that, so yeah, maybe take, take this bit about the relationships you have with your customers one step further. And then if you get rid of that phone conversation, you'll have more time for that person when they yes. actually yes. show up in that, that face-to-face -face yeah. conversation. That's, that's one thing I um, start to see become a problem in our business is with, with our employees specifically is you have somebody come out of the float and they're at the front counter and they're having a conversation and the phone rings and you go, hold it. And then they answer the phone and book somebody in. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that the human to human interaction is way more important than mm -hmm. somebody over a phone, mm -hmm. which is, oh, okay, what do you guys do there? I just heard about <laughs> you. And you're like, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to deal with this. So I think it is like. Did Mark Cheshire <laughs> call your phone? Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I heard you got there. them float tanks. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Exactly. No, but I think. I think that's something that we've talked about in the past, but I want to actually have systems in place to try and funnel people more um, through the online booking. Like Dustin says, we pay for that. This is a platform that we pay for user experience. So mm -hmm. funnel people through there, which which then, like Dustin says again, I think we just we think the same. Um, I like we spend it. more time with that human to human. That Alberta which, blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, as the dirty American in the room, I I I love. 
So I, A, I both agree with you guys. And so like, we don't answer the phone. If somebody is at the front desk here, if, if uh, somebody else is say cleaning a room and we're having inter an interaction, we don't answer the phone because that That's is certainly the most move. valued. Thank you mm -hmm. very much. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I love that customer service over the phone so much. And I just love in any way that we can outpour our human connection. I mean, so what, like a text message would be the least or scheduling online would be the least interaction. Then like a text, then Facebook, you know, social media, and then over the phone and then in you person. You can have both though, right? Yeah, so right. Yes. Call, yeah, you yeah, just yeah. say, hey, like I'm, I'm so stoked you called. Beautiful conversation. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait for you to float. I, I can't wait to see you on the schedule. I'll, I'll, look, I'll look for you, you know, and I'll write a little note that says I had nice. a dope conversation with Jackie and expect this person. Yeah. That's right. I, yeah, I think the best of both worlds um, would work great, and that's why I like that that menu system. If somebody calls, hey, thank you for calling. If you're looking to book, you can easily do through through a convenient mobile app or through the website. <laughs> if you would like to book over the forum, please press two. You nice, know, something like right? that where you can try and funnel some of those people, but you're still there. We still have a phone. We can talk to you and book you in. But you know, my favorite part is our listeners are hearing all this and they have to consider these options now, right? It's no longer just the default <laughs> is you answer the phone and you book somebody. They have to go like, where do we lie on this? Where are our values? How do we want to approach this? Because like we've been talking this whole episode, there is no uh, necessary best practice that is Mm -hmm. absolutely the best practice that we're going to be doing 10 years from now. Everything is going to be evolving and, and, and with places like the float spa or <laughs> <I messed up. laughs> the float space, <clears throat> the float garden, uh, where we, uh, in case somebody listens to this two months from now, the float garden, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right. I I've really enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much, Dustin. I really appreciate you, appreciate you being on a guest here and I uh, hope you well, can join us again you. in the future. Yeah, it's an honor to contribute to the conversation. It's it's uh and it's I fun. love the podcast. I love listening to it. So it's it's cool. Well, thank you so much to, to participate. Thank you. Cool. I uh, I can't thank mentally you. think about somebody listening to the show while recording. So I just have to ignore <laughs> that. <laughs> no, thank you very much. And uh, sweet to everybody else. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, there's an infinite amount to find in the presence of nothing. So spend some time there. We'll see you next week.